G'day, everybody. <laughs> it gets worse every week. <laughs> I'm just trying out different ones, see what feels. Welcome back to the Better Blokes podcast, where we are just two blokes who are trying to be a little bit better. I'm a bit less of a shit cunt, but you're being a bit of a shit cunt when you're being good day. It's really annoying me. All right. Pessimistic Patrick over here. Fucking hell. The dream crusher. Um, we'll get into that later. Welcome back or welcome for the first time. Um, if you're new around here, we are. I am Robbie and the lovely mullet and mustachioed Irishman is Andy. Um, and yeah, we're the better blokes. Uh, if you are new around here, hit that subscribe, that follow, like, download, um, share on Instagram, do all the things. Apparently it helps us. Yeah, allegedly. Alle- allegedly. Um, how's your week? How are you going, Andy? How's your week been? Don't mind me, I'm just... Tracking his fucking Great Northern whilst I've got my diet right, no added sugar, apple and black currant cordial, so... It's a Friday, I'm not sure if you've seen, but I cannot see a single cloud in that sky, so... Um, some may say, day for it. <laughs> I can't actually see the sky from my current position, um, but I'm off the booze at the minute, so... Yeah, how's that going? Uh, good, actually. Um, I'm... Just, you know, eating well, sleeping well. I'm, I'm down almost two kilos in two weeks. Without Are you probably trying to come down a few kilos or is it just kind of Yeah, happen? we're in a, I'm in a little bit of a deficit. Not a crazy one, about three, 400 calories. Um, yeah, just with the intention of, I just obviously put on a few, a uh, couple of kilos over like the Christmas, the sort of November, December, January time. Um, and I just wanted to get back down to what I consider my fighting weight, which is around about 80 kilos. Um, just don't go on the 80. Well, I mean, I don't, in, <laughs> well, cause that makes you a female. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I don't, I don't intentionally go under 80, but I mean, sometimes we get there, but at the moment, um, as well with getting back into running, um, hopefully soon, um, I'm off to see Pat again next week. Um, I can, uh. Yeah, I can. I want to be that little bit lighter, just so we're putting that little bit less load through the joints. So yeah, um, so off the booze, sleeping well, that's good. Um, yeah, booked flights to Europe on Monday, which is exciting. Uh, oh, you've actually booked them? Yeah. Mate, oh, I, you talked about it. I didn't think you'd booked them. From the moment of I could do this to actually booking it was around about nine a.m. on Friday morning to around about seven a.m. on Monday morning. The only reason it took that long was because I was having a chat with my dad about it on Sunday night and he didn't reply until after I fell asleep. Otherwise, I would have booked it on Sunday night. He was just ignoring it and I don't blame him. <laughs> um, how's your week been? My week's been good. Better than last week, um, training-wise. I'm, training. I'm here for it. Uh, I've missed a training session. You swim today? Uh, not yet. I'm swimming after this. Good. <laughs> like, I haven't had the time to put it in. Yeah. No, that's, that's all right. It's all right. Um, I work at 6 a.m. to... Recording this at 3 p.m. Yeah, that's fair. It's a fair point, Andy. Um, I'm here for I did last week, last Friday, I burned the top of my head swimming. So I'm going to get a cap. Yeah. Huh. I've never done that. Yeah, well, I have. I, I don't know what it was because at not a single point during my time preparing for the Ironman last year did I put sunscreen on my back while swimming and I did not get burned a single time. And I had some fucking ridiculous tan, budgie tan lines because just on my back because I just had my back point.
pointing up to the sky. Yeah. For like I've some pretty hectic timelines for my smugglers going on. Yeah, like an hour, an hour at a time, twice a week. So, yeah, it'll it'll do that to you. Um, cool, cool, cool. Well, Andy, you're leading the episode today. I'm going to take a fucking step back, a metaphorical one, because I'm sitting down. Um, yeah. So we're supposed to have a guest today, but we ran into just a few scheduling issues, so that will just be a few weeks behind. So with that, we decided to do a bit of a and a today because um, we couldn't think of anything else. Yep. I mean, also, we actually planned the Q&A weeks ago, and I'm very prepared for this. <laughs> it's also somewhat celebratory because this is episode 26. Yep. So we're yep. past a quarter of a century. Shit, we are. Well done, us. Building, building an innings. Yeah. This is, this is what they call a start in the cricketing world. Yeah. What a start. That's it. We faced the first few balls and uh, taking the shine off it. We've gotten through it. Now we're starting to get our strokes out. So, yeah. That's it. Play a few shots and uh, we'll go from there. So, first and foremost, we're going to start with the question box that you put up this morning, which was unfor- a very unfortunate photo of myself. That was the first one you took, where my mustache looked like a, a fairly famous um, Austrian geezer. Who doesn't like people that don't eat bacon? Yeah, and who um, who didn't do who didn't do very well in art school, so uh, branched into other lines of work. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on from the mustache. As uh, <laughs> the first question, as Bill Burwood said, he's a first ballot Hall of Fame evildoer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly onwards, mm-hmm. I don't look that much like Hitler. In downlight, I do because it, the edges of my mustache are thinner. But in normal, in most lighting, in ninety percent of lighting, it looks fine. Just when there's a light right above my head, my mustache does look like oh, Adolf. Adolf Keating. Yeah. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Oh, we're gonna start very heavy. What's your biggest regret? Take it as heavy or as light as you'd like. No regrets. <laughs> Not even a letter. Um, let you answer that one first. I don't know. I think part of the way I like to live my life is that I try not to regret things. Um, it's very you get that tattooed across your chest. <laughs> I try not to regret things. It's a bit of a, a, a kind of like a stoic thing, but it kind of um, it it's I try to take like. Like I wouldn't be here if I didn't make the mistakes that I made or make the bad choices that I made. So I think it gives me the opportunity. Like when I look back, you know, what would you change? Probably not anything because I wouldn't be here. Like even today I was thinking about um, imagine if I'd I'd chosen to continue playing uh, soccer or football in year five instead of swapping over to rugby. And I realized that quite a lot of my friends that I am friends with now have come through rugby and – uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would if I would change that, even though playing like soccer or football is fun. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's a heap that I would regret. Although I did uh, my when I was in high school, my I always thought my first thing I'd do the year I finished school was uh, go and do a um, gap year at a school in the UK, and I got all the way to the point where I had secured a spot and was prepared to accept it. And then uh, changed my mind because I was in a relationship at the time, uh, and that relationship did not last clearly. 
uh, it ended a, few, a couple months later. So, um, yeah, that, I guess if there was anything to regret, maybe that um, or potentially the tattoo on my leg. But both of those are fairly decent lessons that I've learned from. So I'm not making those mistakes anymore. So there you go. I, I would regret that tattoo on your leg, Yeah. I think would. But it serves as a daily reminder. Yeah, that's fair. I can't like it's a, people are like why don't you get it removed? I'm like it literally is a constant reminder to me now to sit and there. Not be a fuckwit. Well, it's not. It's to not be a fuckwit. It's like it's to that like you, what you you don't have to do things to like that you don't want to do to impress other people. Like they're still going to have they're not going to think less of you just because you haven't done what they want you to do. And if they do think less of you, then they're probably not the best person to be around. Um and and. Third, uh, don't get people's names tattooed on your leg. No, especially not blokes' names. Could be a girl's name. Hey. Yeah, in fairness, it's one of the names that it, it, it could go either way. It, it didn't not help uh, me pull when I was in Europe. So, Well, at least it hasn't hampered you in, in, the, in that department. Yeah, I mean, usually it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> You're not going pulling your trousers down. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like a tattoo is not going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, what's yeah, what, might be the actions that you're yeah. taking in. Everything I do beforehand, that's the issue. Um, what's your biggest regret? Oh, well, you kind of stole my answer in the fact that I was, because I, re- I read the questions earlier before, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, no. Realistically, like, every decision you make is kind of leads you to where you are. So, like, you could say, like, oh, I regret this or I regret that, but the whole butterfly effect is like if one thing fucking seven years ago changed, your entire life will be different mm. to this day. Like you wouldn't have kind of gone down the path of the journey you would have gone on. Um, but also if, if I had to pick a regret, probably going to uni. I'm wasting that. Yeah, what waste a waste of time. Waste of money. Yeah. Waste of time, waste of money. I should have either. I would have liked to go into a trade. Especially mm. considering I've ended up over in Australia, I can make fucking so much more money. Like, you're a car, or like a, a, a chip or, or a sparky or a plumber, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's hard work for the four years you do it. And then the boys come out here, like, chatting to some of the boys I know, like, they do fuck all work 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. I mean, yeah. we work shit, like really short hours as well, or at least some days I do. And, uh, but yeah, like, you can make mega money. Yeah. Fuck all. I- you can make a lot of money, but I don't think there's a heap of job security from memory. I suppose it depends on what you yeah. Like, like if you're like a plumber who works himself, like the same same job security we have, like it's exactly completely up to you to do all your sales and all your marketing and all. Yeah. And essentially, kind of if you're a contractor, yeah, if you're a contractor as a tradie, you kind of um what you're like, you you know you'll get contracted to work a job and then that job ends and it's like. You know, you got to move on to the next one. And yeah, you got to find the next one. It is. It can be some pretty backbreaking work. I think early. Oh, yeah. Ball. No. I'm not. I'm not sitting here like, oh, fuck! I should have went into the trades. This is not. It's like I had to pick something like straight out of schools. That would have been a path that I should have gone down. But I suppose we went through school at a weird time where like every everyone was pushing like yeah. that wasn't even given as an option by like career guidance in our school. It was like, oh, you have to go to college, and if you don't go to college, like. What do you mean you don't want to go to college? Yeah, it's like your life's going to be over. Yeah. So I, it's not that I should have done a trade like that because I could have went straight into the army as well yeah. rather than going to uni first. But I think the regret is 
listening to people and like going like doing stuff that I know I don't want to do. Yeah, just please people that I don't really actually care about their opinion. So it's similar to to your silly fucking tattoo on the inside of your leg. I remember um when I was because I did a half a communications degree and then when this isn't me. Um, and when, um, so whilst I was doing the degree, I was working at, uh, the local rowing club on the bar there. And yeah. one of my old, like my, my, one of my old math teachers and her husband used to go in, go in there for a drink pretty, uh, fairly regularly. Um, and I was just talking to the, to her, just stopping by having a chat and she was like, oh, you know, like what's, um, what's the plan? And I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm going to stop the degree because it's just not me and it's not the direction I want to go in. I just feel like I'm wasting my time. And I'm going to do some traveling, but you know, blah blah blah. And she was like, she was like, no, 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 get the degree first, get the degree first. You should stay in and get the degree. And I was like, why? Like, if I had like stayed to get the degree, I would have done a year and a half more of something that I didn't enjoy. Actually, longer because I would have had to redo some stuff because I know I failed subjects. Um, and then I would have, so I would have had to like redo those subjects, like year and a half um, extra, maybe more, like two years. And then I would have finished it and been like, okay, this isn't what I do. So I'm still going to have to find something that I want to do. Um, so I feel like, yeah, uh, that's definitely that there was definitely that pressure that was like, oh, you've got to go to uni and, and get a degree and then get out of, go out of uni and get a job. And it's like, yeah, do you? I mean, you had to know who like went and did arts degrees because they didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do in, in college or, or in university. So like, oh, I'll go and do an arts degree. Made the arts degree from four years later, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I still I four years because yeah. a lot of them useless jobs. Yeah, you just well, you just get on the piss. Yeah, and like you know, you're you're partying and like you are doing, you're being educated in a way that's like it's not really benefiting you, but you just do it for the, because that's what people told you, and then you come out the other end and you're like, "Oh, like yeah, I." There's a, big, there's a big difference between going and getting like an economics or an engineering degree or or something along them lines and getting a fucking arts degree. Fucking economics degree. Yeah. <laughs> economist. Four years, piss away four years, end up in a lot of debt. Mm. And then trying to pay off. Yeah. Better off, like, cutting, your, cutting your losses. Obviously, if there's something you want to do, like if you wanted to go into engineering, you kind of have yeah. to learn that. You want to go into engineering or you want to go into like a science, like a STEM field. You want to go into like health. Like, yeah, there is a uh, definitely a necessity for it. But it's like, I, I actually, um, I think it was, the reason people are um, more likely to hire people with degrees isn't because of their education. It's the fact that they um, contribute, like they've given up like three to four years of their life in order to get an education to do the um, do the job. It's like they've they've given some of their time. And I was like, I've read that, and I was like, has this person been to uni? <laughs> yeah, well, also, not, like- it's not an investment. <laughs> Yeah, like if, if if that is the um, if that's the criteria you're going off to hire someone, yeah. you probably shouldn't be the person doing hiring. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's not really an investment, and they chances are they've learned fuck all. Yeah, and the cunt who maybe went and did a diploma or a certificate and spent three years working and has the experience in the field. Mm. I wonder who's going to do better. Exactly. I just fucking wonder. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on from the regrets topic. Mm-hmm. And the next one is advice for someone who is thinking of doing a career change into the fitness industry. Don't. <laughs> you pessimistic cunt. <laughs> you dream-crushing, 
As a mystic cunt, I tell you, all right, I'm going to bring this story up because Andy's just out here crushing dreams. I was, so I've obviously booked these flights to go to Europe and a part of the time whilst I'm there is a bit open-ended. And then yesterday, whilst I was training Kira and his missus, I was telling her about it and she was like, you know where you should go? Budapest. I was like, funny you say that because the Europa League final, so Europa League is football, the final is in, in Budapest this year and Manchester United played this morning. 2-1 2-1 win over Barca coming from behind the other fucking boys. They're through to the next round. And I was like, you know what would be fucking incredible if I could score my – if United made the final and I could score a ticket to go and watch them live because th- that would be the first competitive match that United played that I would get to see in live in person. I've watched them play once before, but it was a friendly when they were here on tour. So I was like, that would be awesome. And I'm telling Andy about it this morning and he goes, you're not going to get a ticket. <laughs> And I go, fuck you. Like, why not? Like, why can't I dream about it? And he was like, I don't I don't want you to get your hopes up. <laughs> That's like not getting my hopes up. He's like, look, I'm I'm here for it, bro. Like I really I, I appreciate and I agree with that. But in all honesty, it will be tough. Like, in case you don't know, getting tickets to nah, you're not gonna get a ticket. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like I was like, Oh, you know, I could talk to there's these Facebook groups where people, you know, buy and sell tickets for United games and it's all really above board and I could get on there and like you know tell my story hey you know I'm, I'm from Australia I don't get to watch and play any very often and he's like no one's gonna help you no one cares <laughs> you pessimistic cunt from the point of view of some in fairness United have a lot of fans who are like are internationals like being the biggest fucking club in the world but a lot of the like comes from Manchester who are actually like Diehard fans like, oh yeah, fuck, we're in a final for the first time in a few years since under Jose. Mm. Or they win something under Solskjaer. Anyway, yeah, they, they played in finals under Solskjaer, but we never won. No, I know the feeling. But they're getting there for the first time in years. They're finally actually back playing mm. good football, as in and consistently not fucking on and off. I'm there. I've got my tickets. I'm bringing my little fat son over to go see United for the first time. I'm reading this. Oh, here's this prick in the fucking face in this Facebook fan. So I'm like, oh, get me ticket. I'm, Look, shit I'm not. I'm not expecting someone to give up their ticket that they, oh, they wanted to purchase. I'm saying that, like, if there is some, there's probably considering it's on a fucking Wednesday night. There's probably a large amount of people who can't make the game for whatever reason, but they buy tickets, have the yeah. opportunity to buy the ticket. So the idea is, if they can't make it, but they have the opportunity to, they can help me buy it. I'm not saying they're just going to go, well, I had my tickets and I booked my accommodation and my travel, but I don't know, Robbie wants to go, so I'm going to give him the ticket. Still, you're a pessimistic cunt and you're ruining my dreams. You could have answered the question before you told the fucking story about me being a pessimistic cunt. No, I want to uh, tell the story first. In terms of making a switch into the um, fitness industry, look, to be honest, um, I, I'm first of all, I'm going to play a devil's advocate here because... Um, recently at Fitness Playground, we have had a couple of people who were um, really enjoyed their training and really enjoyed, you know, their fitness journey. And they're like, I'm going to have a crack at being a coach and lasted like very, very little time. Went through the whole weeks. Yeah, getting a, a, the process of getting a Cert 3, getting a Cert 4, doing an industry-ready program. So got given like more a, – a, by fitness program got a better um, starting point than most people in the fitness industry have 
and fucked it off because they were like, I can't deal with this. Yeah. I think, I think go on. Go on, you go on. No, you continue your point. And then I was going to say a couple of things that you have to be really aware of in the fitness industry. First of all, it's stressful as fuck, like physically and mentally and emotionally. Like physically, you're on your feet all day. You're moving weights around. Like it's a lot different to working in an office. Like even, a, you know, I have a stand-up desk. Mate, I'll do 10,000 steps before 2 p.m. having not left the building. Like it's very stressful on your body physically and you're moving weights around, all that kind of stuff. Second thing, uh, uh, mentally, it's uh, very stressful because you're running your own business. You're in charge of everything. Um, you know, if the business fails, it's on you. If it succeeds, it's on you as well. You're working a lot of unpaid time. So you only, typically, you're only getting paid for the sessions that you're doing. If that's if you're doing face-to-face, obviously online slightly different. But in terms of like, uh, the programming, the content, the um, uh, doing like check-ins, texting people, figuring out when they're going to train, doing your admin, doing your tax, but none of that you're actually getting paid for, but it's all part of running the business. So if you don't do it, you're going to fail. Um, so it can be, can, that can be tough as well. And then emotionally having like, you know, five to 10 fairly emotionally laden, basically being a therapist conversations with people, five Four, four to five days a week can be pretty tough on the old noggin there, um, being able to separate yourself from them. So, with like those are three things that I would uh, put a warning out to start off with. Also, it's going to be very slow. You have to build, do a lot of building. You have to do a lot of un- like unpaid sessions. You got to take a lot of crap early doors. Um, but with that in mind, it is incredibly fulfilling when you're getting people results and you're seeing people change and, you know, people are giving you feedback that they love you and love working with you and, you know, you are you have to inc- you increase your prices and they respond with, I'm, I'm so happy that, like, you're doing well and I'm, I'm more than happy to pay the extra price. So there's lots of positives and negatives with that. Um, for my advice, I would say uh, do... Um, don't do your cert- certs online. What do you think? Definitely don't. Yeah. Doing your certs even, online, you just don't Even learn. someone did it in person is shite. Huh? Even someone a cert, like the certs I did yeah. in person. I think Luke Lehman puts it the best. Isn't your cert three and four give you enough information to be dangerous to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to put it. Like, if you've done your cert three and four, a lot of people come out of doing their cert three and four and think that they are the a fucking, you know, the bee's knees, they're ready to go a hundred percent. But it's just like you can you see them and you're like, you you need a few you need to continue educating. I think continuous education is probably a big thing, but I would do I would follow like not just your big business people, so like your James Smiths, um and like people like that or the Kayla Itness, like the people who are the ones that are have done really well business-wise, I would follow the people that know a lot about movement and how to actually train people and nutrition and, and the psychology of behavior change. So not just people that are good at building a business, but people that know what the fuck they're talking about in terms of what your business does. Um, do face-to-face certs. So you can at least if you do your face-to-face certs, you do – when you're doing like the coaching hours, you can get a bit more of a feel for the sessions. Um, but yeah, 
And then apart from that, just try and learn as much as you can and never consider you like there are people in that have been in the industry for 15, 20 years that are still learning more and more and they're educating themselves. We're really lucky to know a couple of them. Um, your Luke Lehmans, your Dave Marshes, your Matt Peacocks, your Matt Duncans. Um, so I would try and learn from continuously learn and, and surround yourself with people that are very, very intelligent. What about you, Andy? What are your thoughts? I've gone on a spiel. Um, beyond don't. <laughs> um, yeah, like the, the barrier to entry for the fitness industry is extremely low. Like if you have the cash to just throw it, like you can do your cert three and four. I'm not sure like over here. I think it's a, it's a little bit more all-encompassing over here, but I did my certs collectively. It took me six weeks. It's a little bit longer here, but it's yeah. not a lot, not very long. Yeah, like I did mine in person, and I I was lucky enough to do them in a place that actually the reason they're so short is because they did them in person. They do it like a like you're it's six weeks like all intense, like fucking eight a.m. to six p.m. Mm. Like so, you're at least taught by people who somewhat know what to talk. Like they know what they're talking about, and the only problem, the big problem, is they have to deliver information that a lot of times bollocks. Like I remember when Mel was doing her um, cert for, there was questions about how to set up a campground and shit like that, you know, and like there was, there was just so much yeah silly stupid information and these really intelligent people have to coach that yeah to certify you like realistically your cert three and four are pieces of paper that allow you to get insured yeah and then beyond but in terms of teaching people they don't give you a lot but that's the first step is going with them. Then, like you said, just continue learning and like learn from as many people as you can. Learning from people in person is way better than doing it yeah. online. Seminars. Like I'd much rather do like seminars. Like, courses. Like when we did the seminars with Luke and the two days. Sick. Uh, training seminar in July last year. Yeah. Like you learned so much more in them two days just by having access to that person, being able to ask them questions and listen to them go down fucking rabbit holes and tangents. And um, then you would in some of the online courses that you see. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, continue to continually educate yourself. Like understand that there's a lot more to it than actually just, oh, I get to spend all day in the gym. Yeah. yeah. You have to learn sales. You have to learn marketing. You have to put a lot of time and effort into it. You then have to – you're not just training someone for 40 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour. You're doing all the programming. There's all the kind of back-end stuff. There's all, all the admin and all the different systems and all the different softwares you kind of have to learn because that's what's expected of a coach now. But I think the main thing, and you touched on it as well, is just because you love training won't make you a good coach. No. Like you have to re, like you have to enjoy it. And if you don't, like you can love training as much as possible. If you don't enjoy coaching and you don't get any sort of fulfillment from that, and you just think, "Oh, this is boring," you'll be a shit coach. Yeah. Like there's a big difference between being like being good at training yourself and being good at training other people. Like it takes empathy, it takes compassion, it takes fucking patience a lot of the time as well. Yeah. Like a lot more patience than you think. Mm. Because you're dealing with like you're dealing with people who health and fitness and training is not at the forefront of their mind. It's not high on their priority list. It's on the priority list, and that's why they're that's why they're training with you, but it's lower down for you than it is for them. And that's fine. So you have to kind of learn to meet them where they're at and and I know the psychology of how to deal with them and how to actually help those people rather than just here's your program this is the session i'm going to take you through today today we're going to do back and biceps and maybe a little bit of legs if we have some time at the end yeah and also the first question you should ask everyone is how's your day slash week been 
because yeah. that gives you so much information. Like if you if you you've prepped them for a heavy deadlift session and they walk in, and you go, "How's your day been?" and they go, it's "Fucked." You go, "All right, we're not doing that." <laughs> yeah, I slept two hours last night. Yeah, you got to like, all right, uh, we're gonna go very easy. Yeah, yeah, a good, a really good skill to have is being able to have uncomfortable conversations with people as well. Oh yeah, whether that's like you, you always have it as. As a business owner, not like it's not mm. exclusive to fitness, but people just trying to fuck you around and pissing and farting around, like constantly showing up late to sessions or kind of canceling all the time. And even like, when, when they're to like help them understand things, sometimes like there's always a time to be a real, um, a real cuddler, like a real like nurture and just go, you know, soft on them and easy on them. But sometimes you got to put your fucking foot down. And we call, like I used to call, like to know when to kick and cuddle. Um, like oftentimes I'm like the kicking is the bit that I find the hardest um, because you're like, I don't want to upset this person or offend this person, but like sometimes they just fucking need it. Yeah. Also, one of the hardest conversations to have, particularly when you're a brand new coach and you've never done it before, is having conversations with women about their menstrual cycle. <laughs> like I remember the first time I happened to do that as a 22-year-old coach and I was like, I was so awkward. <laughs> like, oh, it might be because of this and that. Might be because you're hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and you just know. And you, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to say it. I want to say it. I don't want to say it. Yeah. But yeah, getting comfortable having a conversation like that. Um, one of the biggest skills you can have as a coach is being comfortable chatting about money with people. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you're going to ask people to fork over, depending on how good you are and how much you value yourself up to $100 for 40 minutes of your time. Mm. So if you can't have a conversation with money with yeah. someone and you feel really awkward about it, it makes it a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, because they can feel you being uncomfortable and they're not going to commit to someone that, they, that they, they're they not comfortable with and they're not going to be comfortable if you're not comfortable. Yeah, but that that's like down, that's down the line yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, like you said, a lot of free work, particularly if you go into a gym the way most gyms work is so like when you get a free PT session when you need to in a gym, that that's exactly what it is. It's free. No one gets paid for that. Mm. Gyms don't pay salaries or wages. So if you pay for a session, coach gets paid. If you don't pay for a session, you get a free session, coach doesn't get paid. Sometimes even you'll pay for a session and the coach doesn't get paid. Yeah, true. Mm. So Some gyms will be like, oh, you, you sign up with a like a welcome pack of two or three sessions like 200 bucks you get two two sessions and the coach doesn't get paid for those yeah and the the whole thing is like the way the gym spin is like oh well this is an opportunity for you to sell and Mm. you get like your details get passed on because obviously sales team do the membership sign up Mm. and then and new members get passed on to you as a lead and then it's up to you to sell sometimes if someone's paid for two sessions up front like we see none of it but there might be more, like they might, that might be a bit of commitment or it might be like, oh, I just want to do two sessions and that's it. And then that can be shit. So like there's, there's a lot of downsides to it. It's not all the fun stuff that you see, like making stupid videos for Instagram or, or coffee at like random times because. We'll go to the beach. You got to work in hours, yeah. like work in different hours than everyone else. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to miss out. Actually, that's something as well. Um, we've been talking about this for like a, a bit, but um if your your lifestyle is not going to match a lot of the people that you are around, like you're going to be up before the sun comes up and working with people in in the AM, then people are going to be stop 
going to come in in like mid-morning because they're all at work. If you're lucky, you get a couple of people at lunchtime and then the afternoon, they're usually not around. And then it lit, definitely in the early days, you'll be working evenings as well. So you're finishing late and then you're starting early, but you've got a big gap in the middle. And then like you get to the weekend and you can't be going out and getting on the piss too late, too much on a Saturday because then you're t- just so rough on Monday morning. And then like, I mean, Andy's lucky to be in a relationship, but being single, it's it's hard to organize going out with with members of the opposite sex or whatever your uh, whatever your preference is because it's just like unless they are also in the industry or something similar they're usually working when you're free and they're free when you're working and then it le- kind of leaves the weekend and typically that's where people have more bigger social interactions so it's like it's just hard yeah your social battery gets, gets drained quite a bit because oh, yeah. Some days, like, you'll do a decent amount of coaching, but sometimes coaching is just chatting shit. Yeah. For some people. Yeah, sometimes. A little bit shit talk, though. It's one of the joys of it. But it is fun. Yeah. All right. Let's have something a little bit more. fucking characters as well. Let's do something a little bit more light-heart and easy to answer. All right. Get there, the there, there is another one. Oh, shit. I clo- hang on. I closed it. Um, favorite place you visited inside of Australia and outside of Australia? Ooh, it's a good one. Um, inside of Australia, um, I'd probably say, mm, you're going to say Nambuka Heads. Mm, I did really enjoy Nambuka Heads, but I was there for an evening. So I don't know. Yeah, if really uh, that's, that's fair. Say you, just, you, you went on about it for a few weeks when you came back. I just, I just thought it was a, it was a, it was a lot nicer than I expected. I think that's an expectations management thing. Yeah. Um, fair. I'd say probably. Because I mean, I've had some good, um, good piss ups with the footy boys in in my time uh, in the in Darwin and uh, Early Beach and uh, Byron. Um, so I very much enjoyed them, but it wasn't exactly because of the area. Maybe Early Beach. Early Beach had like I think it had a real good vibe to it. I like the energy. It's a very much a holiday town, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And when I was in, um, I enjoyed Cairns as well. North Queensland. What about outside of Australia? Either um, Laos or Croatia. Now, I didn't expect you to say Laos. Obviously, coming from Europe, not many people go to Laos. No, so obviously Laos in Southeast Asia and like obviously like the big three in Southeast Asia is Bali, Thailand, and Vietnam. Like that's the three that everyone goes to. Laos still has like a little bit of a, um, it's not fully discovered yet. So it hasn't been super, super westernized. Um, But it was one of the most beautiful landscapes I think I've ever seen. And it was like super weird because we, when it flew into the capital city, which is called Vientiane, which is just like, it's a fairly like standard Southeast Asian city. Like there's nothing, Super ridiculous about it. There's a couple of bigger buildings, but it's mostly like markets. Um, you go just outside and there's lots of farms, that kind of stuff. Sounds class. Uh, huh? Sounds class. They're not like a lovely part of the world. Then we went up to a place called Vientiane, which is like like a backpacker town, which was like cool, back, cool backpacker bars. We hired motorbikes and rode around. We went like there's a river and people go like kayaking and tubing on the river, but when we rode around on the motorbikes, like we were just riding in the country and it's this amazing landscape where it's almost perfectly flat 
but then there are these just like big up thrusts of rock. So it's not like a mountain where there's like slopes. It's just like straight up into the air. Um, and a lot of them have like caves in them and you can just, you'll pull up and there'll be a bloke standing out the front of the cave with a torch, with some torches and be like, oh, it's, you know, 10 bucks to get in. And so you pay him like, and it's not his spot. Like it's definitely not anything legal. It's just he- He doesn't live in there. Like There's no safety ropes. There's no like, this is the path you take. He's like, give me 10 bucks for a head torch. And if you come out alive, good on you. Um yeah, and there's some really cool like just random pools and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed there. And then you go up um, a little bit further and you go to a place called Luang Prabang, which is a French colonial town. So it's like this weird mix of like French um, French colony, colonial architecture and local architecture. So, um, yeah, it was I just really enjoyed, really enjoyed Laos. And then Croatia had a really, really fun time, but it was not cultural. It was... Uh, yeah, didn't think it was getting drunk on a boat with other Australians and throwing up into the Adriatic. Yeah, so you may as well not have been in Australia. You could have been in Early Beach. Yeah, it's a lot cheaper than Early Beach. Yeah, fair. I've been unfortunate enough to not see that much of Australia, though, which is weird. Two and a half years of not being able to even fucking leave. Couldn't even leave the house, never mind, just leave New South Wales. Mm. But I think it's hard to go past Byron. Considering I've been there three times, and that's where I proposed to my now fiance, soon to be wife. Um, yeah, I probably have to go Byron. I like the Gold Coast. Like, once you get away from like Surface Paradise and Broadbeach, you go to go down to like Burley Heads, yeah, and Corumban. Corumban Valley is really nice. Actually, the best beach I've ever been on uh, so far has been is Kira Beach in Coolangatta, which is just north of Tweed Heads. So it's not quite on the Gold Coast. It's like just out of it. That's quite nice. Yeah, nice. What about outside? Oh, Bruges in Belgium. It is the best. It's not a, like it's a very small city, yeah. but it is the best preserved medieval city in all of Europe. Oh, really? Yeah. Like there's buildings there that are from the 10, 1100s. Oh, so, it never really got bombed, did it, during the World War? No. Um, so they actively avoided bombing Bruges because it was so like because it like it captures and it holds so much of european history within it yeah um they actually the nazis avoided bombing rouge because that was what they wanted to preserve within europe good to hear you and you kind of, were um were history history buffs and wanted to do the right way about history yeah mate also belgian beers get super fucking heavy. super heavy i've had i've had a couple never not in belgium but i've had a couple um, I mean, I'm go. That's where I'm, one of the places I'm going in. Uh, we should in, go to like if you right. happen to go to Brussels. Bruges is like an hour and ten minutes away on the train. Well, we're we're driving from London to Flanders, which is like near Ghent. Yeah, so Bruges is in Flanders. Yeah, sweet. So we're going to a place called Dendermond, but yeah, I'm I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be there from the Friday to the Monday, and then I've got fucking ten days to kill. So day trip to Bruges, mate. Cool. What's up next? I think is right. have you got some questions now? Yeah. No, we still have quite a few questions to go through. And um, this one's actually for me, Robbie. How are you coping with your strong pullout game? Uh, <laughs> this is in reference to Robbie's um, triathlon that is not going ahead. Well, I mean the triathlon's still going ahead, just without Robbie. Triathlon. Plural, because there's one this week. Because oh, you should have been doing one this weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah, look, um, it's, it's not going to lie. It's been a, a bit of a tough um, tough thing to go through. Uh, sort of it was about, it was in December that I kind of, I went for a run and just every, nothing was functioning. It wasn't, I was, I couldn't push. My legs were hurting. I was, my heart rate was skyrocketing. I was really struggling. And I just had this, like, I was walking home. And not going to lie, mate, I was like almost in tears because I was like, I realized then that it wasn't going to happen. Like I knew at that point, it just, this was not the time for it. And it really took me like almost two months of processing to fully be comfortable with the fact that I was, I wasn't going to do it. Um, But yeah, so it's been, it's obviously tough to, to have, to have set such a high goal and and fail but or not achieved it but so far out like it's still four months away and I'm like and it's like I know I can't I can't do it so yeah that's tough um and on top of that you know it's because of injury and it's like it's not an injury that I know how to fix um obviously in our profession people kind of expect us to have some sort of knowledge of of injury re- rehabilitation but I don't know what to do um <laughs> And how to fix it, and a, a lot of the people that I've talked to don't either. So, um, I've got I'm sort of making some appointments with some some people to to try and figure out what the path is um, to hope so I can hopefully uh, hit, come back and hit an Ironman in the future. But yeah, um, having to pull out of it was tough, especially because we were so vocal about it on social media and on this podcast that when you do like do those things obviously like no one really cares that much like no one's gonna go oh you fucking coward as if you didn't go through with it or no one's really gonna go oh no i was super upset but you know i almost felt like i was letting people down um by having to pull out um phrasing um and then it was yeah like it was frustrating it was a bit tough but i think in the long run it was probably the right decision um, at, at, at like now. It's probably the best thing to do. Um, I mean, I, I don't have to prove anything to anyone, um, which is something that I'm kind of holding on to at the moment. Um, but it was funny that it was actually um, – I was doing a one-on-one with, uh, with Matt Duncan uh, just over a month ago in January, and he said, like, what do you think one of your, strength, your strengths are? And I said, one of my strengths is that I can, like I, – I can really, like – I can do the endurance thing. Like I can just keep pushing through when a lot of people would give up. And he was like, I think he was like, I agree. But I think what you mean is it's not, that's not who you are. That is a strength that like, that's not part of your identity. It is a tool that you have. And he was like, I I think I don't, like he didn't know what was going through my head at the time, but he helped me make the decision because he was like, you, you've proved that you can use that as a tool when you need it and you can put it away when it's the be- when it's the better decision rather than rushing blindlessly and headlong into into a bad decision so yeah it was a it was a tough one um, but you know it's onwards and upwards now as we said no regrets not even a letter so um, hopefully in, it will happen in the future um, but just when the right when the timing is right, it'll be right, and I'll fucking nail it at the time. Um, you know, are playing the Europa League final. You're sitting there outside the stadium with no ticket. <laughs> You'd be like, you know what? It's not a big deal. 
Yeah. No, You'd be enjoying your European trip. That's the thing. I couldn't have done this European trip if I was doing the Ironman. So it's not like I'm just sitting depressed in my room because life is over. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still living life. It's just, you know, it's frustrating and it's a little bit upsetting, but we'll get through it. Plus I get the opportunity to coach the lovely Irishman Andy. So, um, and he's representing a bigger challenge than I expected. So. I just, re- I don't want to do it. <laughs> Couldn't be fucked. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I also regret how uh, how like telling people because then I could pull out of it, and no one would know. I would know, even though that's not why I'm doing it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just I yeah, really couldn't be fucked. But I'll do it because I said I would. And uh, best thing you've ever made in an air fryer. Cool. Kira made pizzas the other like the other week. And they were fucking fantastic. Stop it. What do you use for bread? She made the dough herself. Oh, sick. So you, you kind, I think she kind of did the dough in the oven. Yeah. I don't know. It might have went straight in the air fryer. Oh, it went in the air fryer. Then you do the dough a little bit by itself. Then you take it out. Then you do the sauce and the cheese. Yeah. And, and your so you put it in a little bit to harden it. Take it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put everything in, put it back in. That's sick. I was, for it. They were fucking delicious. And they were so filling as well. Mm-hmm. You know the, the drawers on the Ninja foodie thing aren't huge? Yeah. They were so filling. It was delicious. Lovely. Um, I'm a bit of a boring cunt when it comes to mine. Though, to be fair, I never used to eat salmon. And now I'm eating salmon like almost every day. Oh, salmon done in it. Salmon yeah. done in it because it, it does. It just, it just, it's so, it's so perfectly cooked. Um. I've done steaks in my dad's air fryer in Singapore. Yeah. No. No, no, no. They went went really, really well. Um, No, 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 no. But, yeah, I think my air fryer potatoes are probably the goat. They're so easy. You chop them up, bit of olive oil, put them in, get them out, garlic and herb salt, bosh. No, paprika. Get them on your... Okay, why are you telling me how to make my food? Because it's nicer than what you're currently making. It's nicer than what you're currently making. Um... (laughs) What is the perfect banana ripeness? Oof. Not fucking mushy. I'll tell you that for, for, for sure. What? Not mushy. Not mushy. I get full on like, like, like wretch if I eat a mushy banana. Like, you pussy. Which is why like it makes it easier to understand why people get so icked about my smoothie thing is that people just have icks, like food icks. That's okay. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and that- they, they just react to it, but yeah, mushy. I'm not a fan of mushy. So I've got. I like it before the brown spots start to appear. Yeah, that's like it's not green. Like you can rip it open really easily. It's not really flowery, but it's before the brown spots start to appear. Yeah, I think when the green is just about gone and it's completely yellow, so pretty much the same as yourself. If there's a tiny hint of green, it's okay. But yeah, I like them structured to the banana. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like that. Don't like. I don't, like a, don't like a flaccid banana. Yeah, <laughs> bit of thickness. And st- sticking on the fruit theme, kiwi skin on or off? Uh, off. Off. See, oh. I've only ever had, I've only ever like had a kiwi skin off. Chop like, it cut in half and then eat it out of the skin. Yeah, that's the way I've always eaten. It. I don't want to eat. However, I do want to try it with the skin on because apparently the skin is actually really really good for you. Really good for your gut. See, there's a lot of things that are really good for my gut that I don't do, and there are a lot of things that are not good for my gut that I do do. So, (laughs) do do. Yeah, that's fair. All right, 
this this is a question for me. This is a debate topic. Nope. So at the weekend on Saturday, South and Kira took a trip down to Wollongong, down the gong, and um we went into the Illawarra Hotel for lunch. And I had a I had a fan probably the best chicken parmy I've ever had. And it was like three chicken breasts. Oh. But it wasn't like you know the way they tenderize chicken breasts and make them like real thin, so you get a really fucking thin schnitzel. Nah, this was Pickle. still the thickness of a chicken breast. So it was like they just made a sh- one massive schnitzel out of three chicken breasts, and it was fucking delicious. The chips were perfect, pepper sauce on the side, mm, lovely, very generous with the ham, not too much cheese. Anyway, that's not the topic at hand. <laughs> Do you call it a parmi or a parma? Uh. Parmigiana is an Italian word that comes from the Italian city of Parma. And Parmigianas were originally dusted in only Parmesan cheese, which is, of course, also from the Italian city of Parma. So for me... You say Parma. Parma. It's not a popular choice. No, I don't think so, because... I, so there's two trains of thought that I have. Me and Kira had a discussion with this. There's Parma. Obviously, I didn't know it was from Parma. Like I didn't know the history of the chicken Parmigiana being from Parma. But anyway, so there's that. But there's also the fact that the full word ends in an A, so the shortened word should end in an A as well. Parmigiana, Parma. It's also, it's spelled P-A-R-M-A-G-I-N-N-A. Like Parma. Is it? Yeah, it's Parmigiana. Not Parmigiana. Well, the reason I say that is because the way my fucking um, autocorrect is, it connects it to Parmigiana. I swear it's Parmigiana. All right. Okay, I'm wrong. It's Parmigiana. And also Australians put like a Y at the end of so many other things. So I think Parmi. Parma is from, yeah, it's from, yeah. Parmi is also so much easier to say. Parma, Parmi. Parma feels easier to me. Yeah, well, we have different accents, don't we? That's true. Yeah, so we're, we're split on that one. But that hasn't caused the, the, uh, the disagreement that I thought would. I'm on Wikipedia at the moment, and on Wikipedia it says, Chicken Parmigiana is also a common dish in Australia. It's often served to the side of chips and salad. In Australia, where the name is often shortened to Parma or Parmi, it may also contain a variety of toppings, include sliced ham and bacon. So... It can be Parma or Parmi. You know, I'm yeah. for you calling it whatever the fuck you want. If you want to be a Parmi, Parmi brother, be a Parmi brother. Like, just do you, you do you, boo. Sounds like a very judgmental euphem- euphemism, Parmi brother. Um, moving on. What's your go-to karaoke song? The horses, Daryl Braithwaite. We'll go riding on the horse. Well, I had a full on like, if you're at a karaoke bar... Way up in the sky, little darling. And if you fall, I'll pick you up. Pick you up. The horse is Daryl Braithwaite. If not, Wagon Wheel by Darius Rucker. Oh, that's a good one. I think country music is always the best for karaoke. Yeah. I think the horses is probably the best sing-along song. Like we're at Budgie Budgie Smuggler's Ordinary Rig. Mm. Horses came on. Fantastic. Absolutely. Just... um, some may say un- unbelievable vibes. I've seen it live as well. Have you? Yeah, Dale Braithwaite at a Falls Festival. 
Is he still kicking? Yeah, still kicking. He's playing at the Super Rugby Round next weekend, which... Of course he is. I think you're going with it. I think I am. I got a call from Jimmy Exelby of uh, Budgie Smuggler fame about 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> I just had to decline it quickly. But So he, he's either... So that's a call either being like, Robbie, you're on the plane. I was like, sorry, mate, you're dropped at the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's one of those. Yeah, that can go two ways. Um, speaking of Jimmy of Budgie Smuggler fame, what's your favorite pair of budgies? <laughs> Ooh, that's a goodie. Because um, there's just so many. I've also, I've got a couple of pairs that like I've designed. Yeah, custom ones don't count. Oh, uh, what? Because they're inaccessible, they're well. Um, 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 oh, that's, yeah, that's a toughie. Um, the, the, the old favorites were the pink pineapples. Um, I, a classic. I always wanted them and then I bought them right before I went to Europe. And when I was in Europe, I always I was I wore a pair of buddy smugglers every day. So I didn't wear underpants the entire time I was traveling around. I had seven pairs of buddy smugglers and I just They're not very breathable. I, like Yeah, I was oh. I was trying to make do a thing. I was trying to be I wanted to make sure whenever there was a photo opportunity, my pants were off and my buddy smugglers were out. Um and Fair enough. they're my lucky pair because I had some good success with women whilst wearing them. Um, but I think as of recently, um, probably the pair I feel like I'm reaching for the most would be, and I think you have the same pair, it's the Neon Jungle, the teal ones. Yeah, you got you only got them recently, didn't you? Uh, yeah, right before I went to Dubai. Yeah, they're fantastic. I have them. I also I have a pair for... I, once I get the Swans and the Waratahs, I'll have a pair for all my sporting teams. Not United. You know, I don't have fucking budgie smugglers. What? Yeah. You know how expensive the licensing would be? Those pairs would be like $90. Oh, but it'd be so expensive. And it wouldn't be worth it as well. I would buy them. So they made um, A-League budgie smugglers and they did not go well. Well, yeah, because no one fucking watches the A-League. Well, the, the type of person that watches the A-League is typically not a budgie smuggler person. The women, no. women's teams, like so, the the Matildas and the W League, like women, they all wear budgie smuggler kit. They all get around it, but um, yeah, the type of person that plays, a type of person that is a male Australian footballer, is typically not someone that feels comfortable getting their kit off. Yeah, it's very different than than the rugby uh, blokes. Exactly. Right, last one. What's oh, no, Um, so I kind of like the neon jungle ones, but. I wouldn't say they're my favourite. My two favourites are probably. Yeah, well, finish it. I'm just. I got to change my answer. But you finish you. Okay. Um. Probably my like my two favourites. Uh. One is Steve's shirt, which is the like blue and orange like floral pattern. Because finally, after three years of of uh, I was saying I was going to do it. I finally got Kira matching pair. Mm. That's the pair we have together. Mm. Um, matching smugglers are Steve's shirt. Um. And then the second one is going to be. I think they call it black zebra, but yeah, just yeah, the zebra print zebra ones. ones. Because yeah, I, I love an animal print. Yeah, um, I'm going to change my answer to uh, the Three Kings pair, which is um, it's the First Nations flag, but it was done by a, a First Nations artist named Teresa King, um, and so they're like she her kit is called the Three Kings stuff. So it's a it's a First Nations flag. Um, uh, but it's got like it's re- done in a really cool pattern, so it's really fucking. I, I consider them really deadly, so they're my uh, they're, yeah. they're my favorite. Also, if 
funny story. So Steve's shirt is named after Steve Linforth. So Steve Linforth yeah, is the father of of Adam, um, Nath, and Alex, who are all all um, budgie either owners or employees. Um, uh, so when I was in the UK, when I started working for Budgie, um, it was me, Jimmy, Linny, so Adam, who's the owner, and um, another guy, Jack, who's the only one left still there. And he, so Jack was a designer. Jimmy was ran the day-to-day. Linny was just living. That was just where he worked from, but he was still, like, he just ran Budgie as a whole. And then um, me as kind of like the office bitch. Um, and... Uh, one day Jimmy was trashing me about, because Jimmy's from Brisbane, he was trashing me about being from New South Wales. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, I'm also from South Australia because that's where my dad's from. And uh, and Linny goes, no shit, my dad's from Adelaide. I was like, my dad's from Adelaide. And he was like, where's where's he from? And I was like, oh, he, um, he went to Henley High, but he grew up in West Beach. And he goes, my dad went to Henley High. So Steve was actually in the UK at the time. I asked my dad, hey, dad, do you remember a guy called Stephen Linforth? He goes, yeah. And he, he goes, we were mates in high school. Steve walks in and we go, do you know a guy called Ian McDonald? He goes, yeah, I remember him from high school. He's my dad. So funny story, me and Linny's dads went to high school together. Well, I, I didn't want to interject, but I really want to make the joke that um, Linny's dad was actually your dad. Also, yes. Yeah. Steve is my dad. Steve's your dad. Uh, I really like the look of some of the indigenous budgies. There was um, when we were at the row and we were selling a. We only had it in the, one of the women's cup, but it was like a blue one. The Charlie Wanty. Charlie Wanty. That's it. Yep. Yeah. This. And uh, they look class, but I would feel really awkward as a white Irish bloke wearing the indigenous pair. Yeah. But they look really good. Cool. You're an ally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Last question of the day. Um. So the NRL starts next week. The AFL starts on the 16th of March. And the Super Rugby starts in 21 minutes. Does it? Actually, I think the coverage starts in 21 minutes. I think. Uh, yeah. um, that just goes to show you how fucking shit Super Rugby's um, marketing is. Thought it started next week. Well, I know because there's. I didn't even include them in this. There's a billboard that I see every time I turn right. For, like the onto the main road from home that says it's got the Waratahs season on it. So I know that's probably one of four billboards in Sydney. I think there's two in Balmain. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's add the Super Rugby prediction into that as well. All right. What are your predictions for the AFL, the NRL, and the Super Rugby? Uh, for the winners. Yeah. Let's go premiers for each, and then I don't know much about NRL. I don't know. I know fuck all about Super Rugby as well. We'll go like winners. Um, who plays finals? As in, like the grand final. Yeah. Winners, and then do we like, a, like a dark horse, a dark horse to do well, and then last. Yeah. Fair. Okay. And then Brownlow medalist, Dalian medalist. Okay. Um, rugby league, I guess starts first. So I'll go. I'll go with that first. Um, I don't think the Panthers are going to be grand finalists this year. I think they've done it. You before. don't think? I don't think. I think they're going to miss out. I think they'll still do well, but I think they might miss out. Um, oh, I think I think the Cowboys um, were very, very unlucky to miss out. Obviously, lost to the, my Parramatta Eels in the semi in the preliminary, sorry, finals last year. But I think they were unlucky to miss out. I think they'll go all the way. A bit more experience, a bit more time together, and there just seems to be some really good energy up there. I think they might win it this year. Um, 
And I think the grand finalists uh, that they'll play against might be Melbourne Storm, actually. Um, I think they've had a couple of lean years, but I think they've just they've moved on some of the on some players, and I think the the people coming through might be able to, how to get them over the line um, with with Craig Bellamy there. So I think they might play in the grand final as well, but I think the Cowboys will go through and win it. Um, I'd say I reckon the Bulldogs, who have been cellar dwellers for the past four or five seasons, I reckon they could be a top four schmokey, Um and I reckon at least the top eight because they've just recruited like an absolute motherfucker. They got Gus Gould there who built – He's built a dynasty at the Panthers, um, and yeah, they've got some good energy there. So I, I reckon the doggies might will be in the top eight. As much as like it, it irks me to say that they could even be a schmokey for the top four. Last, um, sorry guys, but I think the West Tigers are going to struggle to get off the bottom this year. Um, uh, Dally M medalist. Um, I reckon if the cows. Do well, do get up there. Um, Jason Taumalolo, or potentially even like a Scotty Drinkwater, could be a could be a, a schmokey for it. Um, and then I think people like Nico Hines and and Cam Munster will be up there as usual. If Tom Trebojevic can have an injury free season, man, he could be a schmokey as well. He could be in the Dalian. But I might go Jason Taumalolo. Um, yeah, so cows, storm, bulldog, smoky, uh, tigs, cellar dwellers, and Jason Tamalolo for Daly M. AFL, look, you're a bit more well versed, surprisingly enough, in AFL than I am. Um, I reckon the Pies are going to have a really good year, so I could see them making the the GF. I'd love to see my Swans up there again. Um, I think they've got a lovely, a, a pretty young side that I think could go. Um, Good, I could have like a really good crack this year. I think um, there's – I can't remember. Isn't it, is it the Petrarca brothers at, Pi, at the Pies? Dacos brothers. Dacos. I think one of the Dacoses could be uh, Brownlow, the better one. Um, Nick. Yeah, if the Pies are going all the way, I think he, he'll be up there. Um, and Cellar Dwellers uh, – West Coast Eagles. No, Gold Coast Suns. Ooh, that's a bold call. They're, they're decent. Though. Nah, I just – the Gold Coast is never going to have good sporting teams. It's just never going to happen. It is. The, the Suns are going to make finals this year, mate. I don't reckon. Nah. I can see them cracking the top ten, though. Super Rugby, Um, I'd say uh, the Crusaders are going to win it. Yeah. Yeah, I know nothing about Super Rugby, so I'll disagree on that. Yeah, Crusaders will win it. An Australian team will come. Uh, yeah, an Australian team will come last. Um, and it'll be probably like a Crusaders Chiefs. D Mac, Damian McKenzie's back, so I reckon the Chiefs couldn't have a run at the GF. So, yeah, that's me. So, is there a Super Round? Is it the first or second? No, it's the second round. Yeah, it's next week. First round. First round's this weekend. The Super Round's next weekend. Okay. Right, for the NRL, like opposite to you. Um, so like you said, I know quite a bit more about you, AFL, because that's, that's my chosen sport since moving here. Mm. Um, but I know fuck all about rugby league. But I know a little bit. So I had Tommy Trevojevic for 
Dali M mm-hmm. if he stays injury free. And then if not, I was going to go with a safe bet of Nico Hines who's going back to back. Then dark horses to do well. I think the Dolphins will just come in and just do well straight off the bat. I think there'll be some hype around them and they'll just do well. And to do poorly, I think probably the Dragons because I know their shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I said, I don't know much about NRL. And then grand final, Rabbitohs, Cowboys, with Cowboys to win. Because they're the only team I've watched. <laughs> and they were good last year, but not good enough. But yeah, I think Paramount probably slide a bit. Panthers probably slide a bit. But uh, yeah. I didn't Funny. think Paramount um, make the eight last year and they made the grand final and they've gotten worse. Happens. Yeah. Like, team, like in, in all sports, teams go on a good run, and then uh, and then they fall off. But yeah, so Cowboys, Bunnies, Grand Final with Cowboys to win. AFL, obviously, I know a lot more. I think Paddy Cripps goes back to back in the Brownwell. Um, or I think you're probably fucking your boy Chad Warner from the Swans is a good shout to do well if he goes up another gear like he did last mm-hmm. year. I think he'll do well. Nick Dacos will probably be around there, and then the usual suspects, Tuke Miller, Lockie Neal, like there's fucking five or six people you can pick from. But I think, um, I think Paddy Cripps will go back to back. Um, finishing bottom of the pile, I think either West Coast Eagles or Hawthorne. I'll probably go Eagles again. Hawthorne. Yeah, Haw- we'll see. They they've gotten rid of all of their experience. Mm. They're just starting a new rebuild. North have brought in some good talent. They'll probably do well. Like, I know Hawthorne have as well. But I think they'll struggle this this year. They did better last year than the people thought they would. But then they got rid of a lot of their experience mm. to fully rebuild. So you could see that taking a few years. But I, I don't think they'll um, top, they'll top the Eagles for, for last place. I think the Eagles will still take last. My smoky to do well is um, the Gold Coast Suns. I think they'll... Tickle the top eight, but I think they'll definitely finish in top ten. I think nine or tenth for the Gold Coast Suns. And then grand final. There's who I want to win it, and then there's who probably will win it. Um, I think Swans play grand final again this year. And I think Demons probably come back um, for, an, for another charge and make the granny. Um, and I think this time Swans win it. I think they're probably the best team, the most... Probably the most consistent team in terms of how they play. Mm. Uh, they clean up a few, like, like you said, they're young. They get rid of a few, a few of the kind of cobwebs in terms of just learn to finish off a game. Yeah, I think they do well. Um, but obviously, I think I think Carlton make, I think Carlton make a prelim. I think they did the Swans towards the end of last season when they had that good run and ended up finishing third, third, second, um, third. second. I think the. I can't remember. They had a third. They had a home prelim. Um, yeah, yeah, they were. Oh, I can't remember. They finished third. In the second third, yeah. Um, at the start of the season, they were, they played roughly two quarters of footy and were just good enough in those two quarters that they could win games, but wouldn't be able to finish them off. They started playing three quarters towards the end of the season. That's what the good run was. If they can play four quarters of footy, it'd be tough to yeah to stop them. Yeah, Carlton had that issue as well. Um, the Swans finished third last year behind Geelong and Melbourne. Oh, fucking Geelong. Yeah, but Geelong had a, have a, like, I don't know if they've got, they have a very old team. 
Yeah, they had a very old team last year. Yeah, I don't know if they've got another year in, in them at that level. But, I mean, to be fair, mm-hmm. they just fucking won a grand final by, like, 100 points, so... Yeah, they also just pumped the Hawks there yesterday. I think they'll be in the top four. Yeah, probably. Maybe, I think Carlton make a brilliant, though. Maybe finish... Maybe Geelong finish well, like, a top one or two, and then... But then they they just struggle in the finals because they're just old and tired. Yeah, go out and straight sets. Mm. They've just brought over another Irish bloke as well. Sick. Uh, Oshin Maloney, I think it is. Oshin something. Usher. Oshin. Oshane? Fuck off. Right. That's all the questions for today, Robbie. Hectic. Let's go for the 10-minute tackle for five minutes. Because we've been on... Yeah, we are we are going a bit long today. Let's go for a five-minute Yeah. And to be honest, I think we could... Sorry, we might be on the back of the Andy, stop dealing drugs. No. We might be able to get this issue done in five minutes anyway. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's, it's not a big one, but it is... Hang on. Let me get my clock up. Stopwatch. Robbie, what are your thoughts on punts flexing in the mirrors in the gym? Go. Um, look, I think you should be proud of your body and proud of what you've achieved. If you've been training hard, you have every right um to yeah to be happy about that to be proud of it i flex in the mirror at home all the time um but i think in the middle of the gym floor in like where all the dumbbells are lifting your shirt up to vacuum in your your stomach to show off your abs between every set is probably a little bit unnecessary um yeah i'd say having look if you're in a body if it's a specific bodybuilding gym 100 go Go for broke. Um, if you're in more of a commercial gym, I think a bit more awareness of the people around you because um, it's not just like – it's not even just like, oh, I don't want to see their, them without their shirts on. Like, I mean, it's a fucking man, man's body. Like, everyone, let's just calm down. Um, it's not insulting. If you go to the beach, everyone's going to have their shirt off. So let's not go about that. But I think – um, first of all, it can be very intimidating uh, to women to have um, men or uh, just standing there trying to be as big as possible. So if you're in a commercial gym where there are a lot of like Mary from accounting who's coming in to do her hit class or whatever, like it's not necessary. You can do it in the bathroom. You're going to get the same. There's probably better lighting in the bathroom. Um, if you're... Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be quite intimidating. Um, I also think it's it's like, look, you could be deflecting for you. It could just be something that's, like, really enjoyable. But I have a feeling if you're, with like, doing this in front of the mirror between every set, you it's probably more of a showing off and it's just unnecessary, brother. Like, show off by training hard and training well, lifting weights well, having good form. Um don't show off by squeezing your muscles as hard as you can and vacuuming in your stomach and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's my thought. I think how you go how you go about it is is important. Like if you're just if you're doing it all the fucking time and you're getting in people's way, being a con. If you're just kind of giving yourself a cheeky little side glance at the corner of your eye, give a little, little how's it going? Little tricep. Yeah, little tricep or little bicep squeeze. I think that's fine. 
Um, I think if you're being a cunt and taking the top off, getting in people's way, like obviously, if, like you said, if it's a specific bodybuilding gym and that's the kind of done thing, it's more acceptable. People kind of tend to do it more and don't really care. But yeah, m- most gyms just cop on. Yeah. Um, what one thing I find really annoying, and it's probably because the change rooms in our gym are really fucking small and laid out awfully. I hate when people are just taking up the mirror space, which means they're in the way of getting to the toilets, getting in through the archway, the door. Yeah. They take pictures themselves and then they don't fucking move. Yeah, I mean, it's it's similar thing we spoke about maybe last week or the week before um, about like videoing yourself, or maybe the week before that, videoing yourself whilst you train, like. Don't get like just try not to get in other people's way. Like, don't be a cunt about it. Yeah, like especially in like yeah, as you said, like the it's a narrow co- like little corridor. Um, there's not really room to walk past people. Plus, you're in a in a change room bathroom, so there's always already like an awkwardness about um, being in there. Like <laughs> your interactions with people in the change room is always different to your interactions on the gym floor. Um, but yeah, uh, I think yeah, again, how do you go about it? Like, there's a real awareness, like just taking a minute being like the room I am currently in is filled with a lot of people that probably don't want to see this rather than putting some sort of like victim, like me versus them mentality of look how big I am. Just fucking, yeah, do it in the mirror at home. You're going to get the same from it. Unless you're in yeah. a posing studio, go for broke. Yeah. Like, um, I know there used to be people who trained at our gym um, who'd go and use the yoga studio mm. to, to pose, which was I found very annoying because I used to go for a nap in the yoga studio. Yeah, me too. It was very, very comfortable. Yeah. But yeah. Is that five minutes? Little, um, 4.30, but I mean, yeah. Little bit's okay, but for the most part. Be fucking aware, brother. Like, like anything, just don't be a cunt about it. <laughs> That's why you listen to this podcast. It's all about yeah. yeah. Stop being a cunt. Robbie, what's your shower thought of the week? My shower thought of the week comes from a book that I'm reading uh, called Alchemy by a bloke called Rory Sutherland, um, who's an advertising guru. I'd recommend reading the book if you're into if you are anything if you're just interested in the way people think, but also um, if you have like a, if you're in business or you're involved in advertising. He's also done a couple of podcasts. So he's been on Modern Wisdom with Chris Williamson a couple of times, including recently, and he's been on the Diary of a CEO. Um, he made this point about how we make so many of the decision, so many of our actions are made, made completely off like, a, like emotional, like not even just emotion, like a, like something inside us that we can't explain. And then we have how we use logic to explain it. And one of the examples he gave was that like, like Andy, if, if Diesel took a shit on your floor, right, I'm going somewhere with this. Let him cook. Diesel took a shit, Diesel took a shit on, shit on your floor. Would like would you clean it up or would you leave it there? Clean it up. And like, why would you clean it up? Keep the house clean. Leave it up. Don't want to live in dog shit. Yeah. And like, what is one of the like negative impacts of having dog shit? Like, just shit in like around the house. Like the house not being clean. Well, believe it or not, it smells. Yeah. Yeah. And then could it like that unclean leads to potential like bacteria and sickness yeah there'd be health implications dog shit can make you go blind because of the ammonia in it yeah so interesting thing is bacteria was only discovered like 150 200 years ago people have been cleaning up dog shit for centuries (laughs) because 
there was something inside us that went dog shit's not healthy. Like it's not good. Like it's not, not even that it's not healthy. It's just, it's not good. It smells, it's unclean. Like when you get rid of it, the way you described it is like in the, if you didn't clean up dog shit in the, in the 1500s, you would be considered abhorrent. If you didn't clean it up in like the 1200s, you'd be burnt at the stake. But they didn't know that there was a health implication. They didn't know that the dog shit would make them sick. Like if there was dog shit in their house and then they got sick, they couldn't make the connection because they didn't understand it. But they still cleaned it up and threw it out the window. So the irony, the the point is that we make decisions based off of like we'll do something based off of like almost a an instinct or an emotion, and then we will explain it with logic. And I think if you can understand the way you think, it can help you make better decisions. That's a fair point because yeah, like I think a lot of people, myself included, love their. Love a bit of a shop. You always buy an emotion and just like you buy an emotion and how something's going to make you feel, and then you justify it logically. Like, mm. oh, I'm going to get this. Oh no, no, it's fine. I probably can't afford it, but like, ah, oh, well, fuck it. And like, and then afterwards, after the fact, you're like, oh, kind of regretting it. So you start justifying it to yourself. Mm. Yeah, good point. And um, my my share of thought of the week kind of follows, or I wouldn't say it follows the same vein, but it's related to yours in terms in the way that it's advertising overstep in terms in our modern world advertising overstep yeah and the reason i'm thinking of that is like like how often do you get like fucking like you're subscribed to so many email lists your phone number is probably on so many like mailing lists in terms of like uh so much like sms advertising like people who you've never given your address to will send you junk mail like there's this massive massive industry around just this really like um, in-your-face advertising, mm. and um, obviously these telephones that we uh, we all carry around in our pocket don't help that. And have you ever had a conversation where, like, you'll have never Googled anything, you'll just talk about some something to someone, and then bang, all of a sudden your phone is recommending similar things or products. Really, what got me thinking about this was me and Kira have booked to go to Newcastle in April. We're going to the PBR bull riding. So we're going to a rodeo. And in the in the last few weeks, I've never gotten like that many texts from like Ticket Tech, even though I've used them before. Like I've booked cricket tickets through them um, and stuff like that. But in the last, since we booked these a week and a half, two weeks ago, I've gotten four text messages from Ticket Tech advertising the monster trucks to me. Never been advertised monster trucks before in my life, but now that I've booked to go to a rodeo, they've obviously been like, "Yeah, cool." The this chap that goes to monster, yes, yeah, he'll probably want to go to the fucking monster. I've been trucks. to monster trucks. It's probably class. I'd love to go, and that's the problem. <laughs> um, Taking advantage of the fact I'm going to a rodeo to try and get me to go to monster trucks. Yeah, that's really. Fun. I can't remember what book it was, but I'll have. I, I read a book within the last six months that was talking about kind of like advertising stuff. And they, there was a mention of how um, they do companies like um, like Kmart or like Big W or in America, there's like Walmart and those kind of things, like big, like you go shopping and there's like heaps of different variety of things in, in the store. Um, they try to predict when women get pregnant so that they can send them catalogs for pregnancy stuff. That's there's so much that goes into shit like that yeah and it's like they this guy was talking about 
how they need they they have discussions about how far they can go to show of before it becomes obvious that they're like looking into you um, with the stuff that they sell. And I think it's like, I mean, it gets part of like a greater con- like conspiracy of like the government's listening to us. I got my fucking webcam on the government. Like there's an FBI agent that's probably watching us record this podcast right now. And he's like, Oh, these boys are getting close. Um, and then, you know, like you'll talk about it and some people are like, yeah, but you know, no one, like no one's going to go to the effort of, um, of doing it. Like, I don't, I don't matter. So no one's going to really make that much of a, of a, like go to an effort, but like people are going to sell you shit because that's how they get business. They, yeah, you're right. Advertising over. Yeah, that, that's who's listening to you. It's not some fucking government conspiracy. It's yeah. Advertisers and people who can make it, money out of it. There's also the heuristic that like, I mean, this is obviously in your case, you got these text messages, but there's the heuristic that like, as soon as you start thinking about purchasing something, you will start to see ads for it. And it's not that the, the ads are starting to pop up. It's just that you're noticing them more. Um, you, if you if you're if you start thinking I need a new mattress, you will start to see ads for a mat- for mattresses. It's not because more you're being given more ads about mattresses. Well, if you Google search mattresses, they will start to pop up. But you will also start to just notice them anyway. If you think about yeah. buying a motorbike, you will never have noticed so many motorbikes in your life. Yeah. Well, when I was thinking about it, thinking of buying my Cobra fucking cowboy hat. I started seeing cons wearing the Cobras everywhere. Yeah, and that's not advertising. It was right the I'm, I'm, but it was, it was just me noticing it yeah. more. It wasn't that people all of a sudden started wearing them more. Yeah, so it's kind of like a bit of a mix of like, it's like, is it advertising companies pushing stuff on me or am I just noticing it more? So do you trust yourself or do you not? It's definitely a mixture of both. Though. Yeah. it's um, like, it I think it was, it was Rory Sutherland who mentioned it. I think it might have been when Chris Williamson interviewed him recently on Modern Wisdom. And he was talking about how it might have been on that or it might have been one of the other multiple podcast episodes he's done um, on different podcasts. But he was talking about how so much advertising is geared at kids. And as soon as he mentioned, because it's like it's not the parents going through the aisles who are going to like pick up the difference here. Like so many things marketed directly at kids mm-hmm. because the parents will buy it because the kids are annoying them, yeah. annoying them to buy it. Yeah. So the kids are also easy to market to. Yeah, you ever see some of the fucking hun- that? Yeah. You ever see some of the hungry jacks ads? The ads for hungry jacks. Yeah, and they're all like they're so colorful, lots of music, and they're selling. There's one particular like real weird like bubble drink, like kind of like bubble tea but different. Oh, I haven't seen those. So I was thinking about ha- hungry jacks ads that they have shown up the sport, which is like the tropical wobber, and I'm like, oh, I've seen that one, yeah. But like, there's this one that's like, um, I think they call them bursties or something. And you're like, no fucking, no one in their right mind is buying that. It looks awful. It looks shit. And then I was like, I'd listen to that podcast. And I was like, do you know what? Kid, kids want that. <laughs> so while they might never sell any of these fucking bursties because they're actually fucking awful, mm. it gets Hungry Jacks in the mind of kids. And they start annoying their parents to bring them the Hungry Jacks. Mm. And everyone does it. Marketing, like, so much of advertising is directed at kids because they get to the parents through the kids, mm. which is crazy and terrifying and probably a good place to end it. Yeah. On a, and on that bombshell. That's the rabbit hole we could go down. We could do it. And spend around 20 minutes on. We should start a secondary podcast, which is Better Conspiracies. <laughs> a, that would be excellent. A conspiracy theorist podcast. We just talk once a week about conspiracy theory and see how many how deep a rabbit hole we can get down.
Oh, you could go down so many rabbit Why holes. Why are we not talking about Jeffrey Epstein? Um, he made the earth flat. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, thank you very much for joining us, guys. That'll just about be us. I think there's a new record, Andy, and our 24 we're just about to hit. I don't think we've gone this long before. So if you're still around, fucking thank you for sticking around and being, being part of our, our little Q&A. Um, we're hoping to have – we've got some more guests um, not locked in but spoken to over the next few weeks. So we hope to get them on. Anyone that you want us to talk to, um, let us know. But the more – you respond to us. Sounds optimistic. <laughs> the more you respond to us, the more we can help make this podcast the the best it can be, which is all we're about. But thank you very much for joining us, um, for trying to be a better bloke or bloquette. Um, Stop being a shit con. Yeah, that's 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 the message. Um, <laughs> like, follow, subscribe, download, hit the notifications bell hit the buttons, share it on Instagram, answer our questions. Thank you for joining us. See ya. See ya. Oh, he knows it's gone.